0: Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Who thought that Josh's joke was the worst joke they've ever heard in all their life? Just give me a show of hands. Yeah, it was just shocking, wasn't it? It was great. Jared, just I heard him say he's going to be on the comedy circuit next. I don't think so. Okay, Uh, stick to golf and football, mate, and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be great. Brilliant. Now, it's great to have a, a, just a sense of fun and atmosphere and life in the place. And just for the next 30 minutes, I just want to be introducing the, the, the uh, teaching uh, theme that's going to be running over the next few weeks. So I wonder if you'd get a notepad and I wonder if you'd get a, your phones at the ready not to play Sudoku on or whatever, but just to take some notes or, you know, if you haven't got either any of those, just lean in. Just lean in a little bit to the message this morning because we want to talk to you over the next few weeks, and we're going to be taking principally from Galatians and chapter 5. And for those who don't know the Bible's too well, and that's okay if you don't, uh, there's a man by the name of Paul, and he wrote to the churches around that area called Galatia. It was a, you know, a state, a county, um, a collective group of churches. And in Galatians chapter 5, he starts to talk to them about the kind of behaviour that he was seeing in the world. To be honest with you, no difference to 21st centuries later, the kind of behavior that still is around. And then he starts to talk about the kind of behavior that he's really wanting the people of God, the church of God to exhibit. And that's what we'll be speaking into. But really what we wanted to take is the provocative thought and title of who are you really? Who are you Really? So my joy this morning is to just introduce this series to you. And then in the ensuing weeks, just for a few weeks, which I'll talk towards the end, we're going to start to unpack some of the things that Paul is speaking about in Galatians and chapter 5. But when I think about my life in church, you know, it was marked by a lot of fakeness. I was I was faking it all the time. I don't know about you. I'll just be honest. There's times when I used to come to church and I was just faking. I was faking in emotion. I was, I was faking who I was. Um, it wasn't real. And I think, to be honest with you, the church across the country and across the nation and across the nations has been marked by, at times, fakeness. What I love about children is they're able to sniff fakeness really, really easy. And they're able to see it and spot it from a million paces. And actually kids stay away from fakeness because all they want is that which is real. I think Jesus knew what he was talking about when he says, unless your faith is like that of a child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. I think there's some things that we probably unpack in the days and months and years ahead around that. But I think we've got to get back to being really, really real. Because what I've realized is there are a lot of people pretending being fake. When I think about the world that we live in, there's fake goods. Uh, Honestly, there's times when I bought things. I remember, anybody here bought a fake watch, a fake designer watch? Come on, own up to it. Uh, You know, you might be wearing one. It's not a problem. I remember buying this Rolex This guy who I knew really, really well. In fact, they used to uh, nickname him Honest John. Okay, he wasn't quite honest. Let me tell you, I've got this Rolex in it. He says, oh, it really suits you. I'm gullible on things like that. Remember the cowboy hat and the guy telling me how good I looked. And I believed him as well. The watch, oh, that face really suits you. It's lovely and it's just exactly what he wants. So I've got this Rolex. It lasted about two days. And then it all broke. Fake goods. I've had fake designer shirts and all. Now I don't go near fake. I only go with that which is real. You know, the world is full. Television, media is full of fake personalities. You may be here today. Please, I'm not criticizing you ladies. I'm really not. So please don't get upset with me. But fake lashes. You know, people have fake lashes. You know, there's some people who've who've literally been 16 and have wanted to get into a nightclub. And what have they done? They've produced fake ID. It may be that you're here today and you've got a fake tan. I don't know. It may be here and you've got fake nails. It may be here that you believe like President Trump. It's fake news. But listen, more importantly, listen to me very carefully. What about fake you? Fake you. Now, my thought around this is... I'm encouraging us all, and I've just expressed, there's been times when I've faked it and it probably come out in in the weeks ahead. I've tried to present something that, frankly, I'm not living. I haven't been living. Even as your leader, I've not been living. But what I've realized more and more and more is this. I want to be real because fake is so exhausting. Fake is so exhausting. I want to be real. So you're here today, and I'm glad that you're here amongst a group of people that are endeavouring to go on a journey to be ever real. Jesus was always addressing fakeness. Fakeness with who? Well, if you read the Gospels, Jesus was forever challenging the religious leaders. And basically what he was challenging about was their fakeness. That they look good on the outside, but inside... They are as bad as everybody else. And interestingly, the people who just knew they were bad and lived bad, what did Jesus do? Gravitated towards them. And what did they do to Jesus? They gravitated towards him. Why? Because they were real. You know, what I've realized is over the news is that there's been a lot in the news about people who have been fake. So we've had movie directors, politicians, high profile, powerful people. They've all been exposed. And in the headlines, we've even got normal people, school teachers, nurses, doctors, housewives, house husbands, exposed for their private lives. But unfortunately, let me just say this, and this is why we want to really delve deeper in the, in the church arena. Unfortunately, there is a lot of Christians and Christian leaders, pastors, leaders of churches who too have been exposed because they haven't been real. They've been fake. And I'm not trying to make a point other than, please, I'm imploring us from God for us to be exactly who we are. Who are you, really? For God to do a work in all of our lives. And listen, we all come with our junk. That's not a problem. But God wants to work through our junk. And what we don't need to do. Is pretend. You see, what I've realised is three things people think they can fool God. If you're here today and you think you can fool God, you can't. Josh led us in the pre-service with the serving teams. And interestingly, he he just shared from Galatians in chapter 6. And I just want to take this, it'll come on the screen. Because there are some people who think they can fool God. But Galatians 6 verse 7 says this. You cannot fool God. So don't make a fool of yourself. You will harvest what you plant. Another way of putting it, another version is this. A man reaps what he sows. Oh, Rani, I've got a 21-year-old daughter now. And by the way, Zelia celebrated a milestone birthday yesterday as well. But you'll have to ask her how old she is. Yes, 30. It's remarkable that they've got two you know, older, I mean, she married an older man, you know, uh, Philip here. But uh, anyway, absolutely wonderful. And we wish you a happy birthday uh, for that milestone birthday. But our Annie, she was 21 yesterday. She's, she comes out with the most stupid things at times. She'll probably listen to this podcast. And she, she'll, she'll sometimes say when we've round the dinner table, she'll go, Dad, a man sows what he reaps. I'll say, No, Annie, that's the wrong way around. Have you got it? A man reaps. What he says, <laughs> And I don't know whether you've ever been there where you've said the same thing, but I understand the point here. People who think they can fool God, and this is what Paul's saying. Listen, you think you can fool God? You can't. You only fool yourself. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Jacob. I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, you're just like Jacob in my private times. I went, what? He went, you just think you, just think you can you know, trick and cajole. And, and I remember... A number of years ago, I've told this story in in various forms. But I remember in a time of very intense prayer, and the Lord took me to to Jacob. And anybody who knows the Bibles, Jacob was a man who then wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. And actually, God had to take his hip socket out, and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. And I remember the Lord saying to me, you have now wrestled with me, Christian, you're going to forever walk with a limp. And I remember then there was a man who I was very connected with, a bit of a mentor. I remember going to talk to him about some of the challenges that I was going through at that moment. And it was just like God was speaking. He said, Christian, the Lord spoke to me about you. And he says, you're like Jacob. And you've been wrestling with God. And he's just took your hip out and you're never going to walk the same again. That was the prof- I'd already The Lord had already spoke to me about it. How many of you know when that happens, that's Freaky. Should I say that again? That's freaky. I knew that God was saying to me because I used to think that I could fool God. And of course, Jacob was the one who was rather trying to manipulate a situation. Listen, you can't manipulate God. You can't fool God. You can't. It will ultimately be exposed. But there are also people who try and hide things away. Luke chapter 8 verse 17. This is what it says. Whatever is hidden away will be brought out into the open. And whatever is covered up will be found and brought to light. You know, there are some people who think they can hide things away in secret. They do things in secret. And if you're here today and you're doing things in secret, my my thought is not to shame you. Quite the opposite. Towards the end, I'll give you some practical instructions of what I think you need to do that may be helpful. Because listen to me, I've been all these things. I'm being dead honest with you. I thought I could try and hide things away from God. But God sees everything. God sees it all. He created it all and he sees it all. And interestingly, again, there was a man in the Bible in the Old Testament and he was the man who who killed a giant. And uh, his fame and popularity was amazing to the point where when he should have been out fighting with his army, leading his army, instead he was at home reclining and whilst he was reclining, he was looking over, surveying his, his kingdom. And he saw this most beautiful lady, and she was bathing. And of course, that's probably what they did then. It would be a bit strange now, wouldn't it? In Mansfield, you're outside bathing, and hey, hello. That would be a weird. Everybody say weird. That would be weird. Okay, but that's what happened clearly there. And he was attracted to her, and he asked for his trusted confidant to bring her to him, and he slept with her and conceived with her. And then, once he realized he'd conceived with her, he then thought, Oh dear, I need to get rid of her husband because her husband is one of my commanders. So I'll send him to the front line where he's bound to get killed. All the time, what is he trying to do? David is trying to hide things away. But you see, God won't be mocked. And he thought he'd got away with it, but what happened was this baby died. This baby died. But there was a man by the name of Nathan, and he was a prophet. That basically just see a man, like I've explained my situation, who saw some things in prayer and then was able to speak them. This is what this man was like. He went before David and told him this story. And David was incensed by it. But this is, you've got to read it for yourself. And I'll point you to it at the end if you want to know where it is. But Nathan then says to him, "But, but David, you are that man. You are that man. You've tried to hide things away from God. And God's seen it all. And God's seen all that you've been doing. And all... God wanted David to to do was just be honest before him. There is a good part to the story because that's exactly what he did. He repented. He brought himself before God. And God is rich in mercy and love, guys, towards us. So many times I've got it wrong. So many times I've been in services and I've said, God, I need you. Please cleanse me. Please help me. I've been in my prayer chair, as I call it. God, I'm not doing it all the time. I've got nothing to confess this morning, honestly. You're all looking, where's this going? I'm just trying to be honest. There are times when we get it wrong. And God's so rich in mercy and love, and he forgives us, and he he cleanses us. But people try and hide things away. But then other people, you know, in this fake kind of environment, they live out to impress. They live out to impress. They're trying to show something that they're not really. You know, the, the car they drive, the house they live in, the way that they talk, the way that they walk. The way that they act, and they're just giving this whole sense of impressing. And I, I want to tell you, I'm not impressed. I, I, I actually, I'm at a point now where I'm, 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 not impressed by any. I'm not really that impressed now. That's what I'm trying to say. I feel like wanting to break out into a Shania Twain song. That don't impress me much. Oh, the, the, come on, guys! Do you know the song? Yeah. So let's try it again. That don't impress me much. Okay, that all did. You're thinking about somebody now. In your workplace, in your neighborhood, who you're related to, who this is how they've lived the life. They just lived to impress. And if you're here today, please, I'm saying, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not slapping you around. I'm actually lovingly come to you and saying, listen, I've been there as well. Trying to give this impression, the way that we talk. It's not who we are. Just be who you are. Why? Because fake is exhausting. Just be you. Just be who you are. In this town of Mansford, just be who you are. Who God has called you to be. You don't have to be anything other than you when you come in here. If you're on a journey to faith here, please just stay on the journey. Just keep coming. If you're not even sure about even what I'm saying, that's fine. If you need to check it out more, that's fine. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. Because we don't have a problem with that. What we do have a problem, what God has a problem with, is people who are trying to impress all the time. And just a little verse, to, just to sum this up. Numbers 32, verse 23 says this. My mum used to say it to me all the time, because my brother could never lie. I've got some of my family members here. My older brother could never lie. He still can't now. He has, he has an, in, an impossibility to lie, honestly. He just cannot lie. He'll have to tell you the truth. Me... That's a completely different story. I was just built for telling lies as a kid, to the point where I was at home, Lee was at school. My mom said to me, who's done that? Lee's done it. Even though I was at school, I used to tell lies like that all the time. Now, thank God, God has done a redeeming work in my life. I need you to know that, where I don't tell lies, or not as many as I used to, because that's again, fake, because we all tell lies at times. Husbands, I can say it because my wife's not here. She says, how do I look in this? Oh, you look gorgeous. Because you want to get out the door quickly. You're all a bunch of liars. Don't all look at me like that, guys, okay? I'll move on. That joke's gone as bad as your, as your one there. Okay, yeah, got it. Your sins will find you out. Slightly out of context, but there's a context to it. And Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14, to sum it all up, and I love the book of Ecclesiastes. It's one of the wisdom books, and the writer of it says, and that's it, last verse of the book, says, and that's it, summing up, Jared. Eventually, God will bring everything that we do out into the open and judge it according to its hidden intent, whether it's good or evil. I love that, and that's it. It's just like saying, okay, in conclusion, that's it. I'm now going to tell you, um, the, 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 the last 12 chapters, I'm going to sum it all up in this one verse. Everything will be brought out, whether it's good or bad. And people think they can impress, they think they can trick, they think they can fool God. We can't. You know, there's this little thing called sin, and it comes close to all of us. In fact, we're surrounded by it. And I want to confess to you, I have a bias towards it, and so do you. The only thing that keeps me from sinning is God's Spirit. Is God's Spirit staying close to Jesus? Because the Bible's clear. The New Testament is clear. We just, we just run towards it. There's an inbuilt bias for us to go and sin. Nobody teaches a child to sin, do they? Nobody teaches a chi- child to be naughty. Nobody teaches a child to be nasty. Nobody teaches a child. It's just something inbuilt in them. All different kinds of things. Any parents here, give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. It's just reality. And it comes to all of us, and not just to children, and not just the, when we, when we, you know, we think we're, we're now old enough, we've come of age. I used to think some of the battles that I would have would be easier the older I get. I've realised that's completely untrue. <laughs> Sometimes they could become even more defined. And there are sins that are the sins of every day. You may say, well, just help me to understand what you mean. Well, Galatians 5, let's go to it, shall we, for a moment. Galatians 5, verse 19 through to 21. And it'll come on the screen. And this is what I'm talking about. Let's read it together. Isn't it obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time? There's the first thing. You know... It's one of the things that marriages have to work out, that a husband and wife are coming together, a bloke and a wife coming together, and you've been used to living your own life because you've been an individual. Now, you've got to learn to compromise and work it through. It's one of the biggest challenges in marriage. And then he goes on to say, repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. If ever there's something in the world today that is just so evident. I mean, we do live in a sexualized culture. Let me tell you, sex is good in the proper Confines, and we're not about to open that up. We can do because children are here. It is, it, it is good. It's proper. It's right. It's a gift from God. But my goodness, what a sexualized... And it's not just for, for uh, blokes. It's for women as well. And this is what he's talking into. 21 centuries ago, it was the same issues. He then goes on to say, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional Garbage. Oh my goodness. Frenzied and joyless grasps for happiness. Short-lived stuff that we're trying to fill our lives with. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition. Everybody's a competitor. All-consuming, yet never satisfied Once A brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved. This is what they're saying now that we're creating through all the social media that people don't know how to interact. They don't know how to hug. They don't know how to touch. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to love. They don't know how to be loved. This is the kind of world that that we've created, that we are creating. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. And then there's those four words, I could go on. This is what I'm talking about. Are you still with me this morning? Because these are the kind of things that we can live with and We do in the background. But of course, when we come in here, we're not going to live like that. We put on our Sunday best or we put on our smartest jeans and we put on our you know, nice religious faces and we just do church. We do church. But what are we like outside of church? And this is what I'm grappling with. This is what we're going to be grappling with over the next few weeks. That God is saying, listen, there's more that I want to do in you, there's more that I have for you. Because this list is a wow list, not in a good way. It's like, wow. And I have to be honest, I don't know whether you want to be honest this morning, but some of those things have done. Many of them have done. And some of them are big things. But what I've realized in my life is it's not often the big things, but it's often the small things that trip me up. My impatience. I mean, I'm going to be speaking in the next week or so from a list that we're going to do. And it's one of the fruit is patience. And I was joking with the guys to say, could you not have given it anybody else other than me? I'm one of the most naturally impatient blokes around. I get ticked off if I have to wait for three seconds at the traffic lights. Anybody with me? See, you're not. It's just me. I've got an issue. Everybody knows it. I've got an issue. Impatience. But, you know, what I've realised is it's not the big things that trip me up, Josh. It's the little things. Impatience. Having a bad attitude. envying others. Lack of self-control. Pride. Won't listen. Won't say sorry. Always right. You're a know-it-all. Am I speaking to anybody here today? And you see the antidote to all these things, that list and what I've just said here, is a coming to God and a surrendering. Because outside, if you just try it, you know, self-help is no help at all. You can write as many books, read as many books as you want. You can listen to as many podcasts as you want. You can try and get all the self-help you can. But what I've realized is this, self-help is no help at all. I'm not saying we haven't got to do those things, but for me and my journey, it was only when God collided with my life. When I surrendered my life to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm fed up living like this. I'm fed up doing it my own way. I need your help. Am I talking to anybody here today? That's when change began to happen. Because then what happens is there is another way to live and this inspired for Christians and for the world, which follows on from Galatians 5, because 19 to 21 uh lists those but then the writer Paul then says but listen there's another way to live are you still with me there's a completely different way to those things that you're on about and he was talking to the churches to groups like this writing to them and saying you've been living like this you 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 know you've been cutting on You, you once knew God and now you're following those ways but there's a different way if you'll just surrender and allow the Spirit of God to work in your life day by day, moment by moment, then you will produce some fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, praise God for some patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. Wow! This is a promise from God that he says, actually, you may have been living like that, but I want you to live like this, and this is who I want you to be really. This list I want you to live out both in private and in public. But it's the fruit of the Spirit. As we just draw it to a close... And of course, they're the things that I'm going to be unpacking. I'm not just going to give a nice talk on love. Oh, nice thing on love. Oh, isn't it lovely? Now we're going to, we're going to, do- is that okay with you? We're going to talk about what this love means and then we're going to work it out. What does this look like in our everyday life? Because it'd be great if it was perfect and we'd all be skipping down the road with love. It doesn't work like that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because you get some nasty people. You get some people who irritate you. You get some people who are rude to you. Or is it just me who gets them? Is it just me who gets them or do you get them as well? Yeah, Yeah, they're all around us. And we sometimes can be like it. How do we love when people are unlovely? So we're going to work through some of these things. I'm excited about this series because this is who I want to be, really. I want to be full of love. I want to be full of kindness. I'm going to be asking the Lord to help me with the patience talk. And by the way, if my wife was here, it's not why I've kept her away. She would say, you are... You are on a journey to patience. Because this was my bias. I actually don't have a, have a bias to being unkind. Believe it or not, I'm actually quite a gentle, I'm quite a big guy, but I'm quite a gentle, kind guy. So I don't have a problem with being unkind or being rude. I don't, but in patience. Anyway, let's move on. But the root, everybody get this, the root produces fruit. I need you to understand this. The root produces fruit. So this list that we've just looked at is beautiful. It's full of fruit. But how are you going to get that? It's only through the root. Luke 6, verse 43 to 45. Jesus says this. No good tree bears bad fruit. Everybody say that. Just nudge your neighbor next to you and say, no good tree bears bad fruit. Okay? Now I want you to say, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Come on, say the person next to you. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 44, it's important you understand that verse. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. He's using, you know, examples here in extreme thought. And then he goes on to say, verse 45, a good man brings good things Out of the good stored up in his heart. So there's good fruit that comes from good root. Have you got that? But if you've got bad root, you'll produce bad fruit. And then he goes on to say, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what I'm basically saying is this, A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Out of the heart, the root, the mouth, fruit speaks. So the issue is not with the fruit. I hope you're still with me. The issue is with the root. You've got it. The issue is with the root. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying to them, listen, if you want to produce the kind of list that we've just seen up there, of these wonderful things. And by the way, wouldn't it be an amazing world if we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Anybody with me? Wouldn't that be the kind of world that would be amazing? Well, then we can be ambassadors for that, because we're light that shines in darkness. We've got to manifest that, not just in private, but also in public. And it needs to be real, because fake is exhausting, And so here the issue is the root of our lives. So as I really draw this to a close, I've just got three simple statements that I want you to challenge you with and then I've got a bit of an application. The question that I would ask you is this, where are you planted? Because if you're going to have a root, you've got to make sure it's planted. And Psalm chapter one is a great, great psalm for encouraging us to plant our Roots in God. And it says that if we'll do so, we'll produce fruit in season and out of season. So this is the question. Where are you planted? Where are you planted? Secondly, what are you feeding on? We've just planted some lavender bushes. We bought off this group Groupon, great offer, brilliant. But, but we lost about four of them. And while I was trying to, where I could just see, oh dear, are we going to get them? We have lost them all. But what I did, I got some, I got some feeding stuff. You can see I'm really good at gardening, feeding stuff. I don't even know what it was. But I just shoved this feeding stuff in to try and get it going because my mum had said, if you feed them, you might get more life out of them. Well, it didn't quite work, but this is the point. Usually, if you planted somewhere that it's good and then you're feeding on something good, you'll then produce something that's excellent. Yes? It's the same in God. If we are feeding on good things, we'll be blessed. But here's what it says in Romans 8, verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death. If you're feeding on just stuff that's unhelpful, you're watching things that are unhelpful, you're feeding your life, you're around people who are saying unhelpful, 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 you'll be unhelpful. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So if you feed your spirit, your mind, with the things of God, with great environments like this, with great conversations like this, with podcasts and just feeding yourself, good, 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 then it will become life and it will become peace. So where are you planted? What are you feeding on? And thirdly, what are you producing? I don't need to really say much about that because, as I said, if you're planted well and if you're feeding well, you'll produce well. So over the next few weeks we're going to try and show you and reveal you the kind of fruit that God is looking for. Just to remind you again love, joy, peace and patience kindness and goodness faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. To live in this fruitful life and this way first. I want to encourage people Let's put away fake. Let's embrace real. Now, my time's gone, but it would be remiss of me not to just give you a few things for you to really think about those who've got notes. Because some of us here, as I've confessed, we can all come and we put our Sunday church face on and we give the Sunday language and all the rest of it. I'm asking, who are you really? So there's three things. I think if we really do want to put away fake because it's exhausting and be real, we need to get honest. We need to get honest. We need to get honest with ourselves and we need to get honest with God. I love that verse in the Bible and it's so true. The heart is desperately wicked above all things. It's true. It deceives you. Your heart will trick you at times. It will make you think when you, you are right, when you are wrong. It will cause you to go to bed angry with your spouse. It will, just saying. And we have to get honest. And what I've realized in counseling context, a lot of people don't want to get honest. They just want to continue to live in fake and they think that something real is going to happen. It won't. They'll just produce fake. So we have to get honest. Secondly, what we've got to do is then we've got to go to God. Go to God, I've already said, about surrendering to Him. In Galatians 5, It talks about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. It talks about allowing the Holy Spirit to walk with us and to show us. And what I've realized is this, the Holy Spirit creates a desire for change. And this will help our will to get disciplined, which then leads to delight. I don't know whether we've got it on there. Holy Spirit creates a desire. And then what happens is we have to then commit to a will decision to say, I'm going to get disciplined And what happens out of those two things coming together, it then becomes a delight. Can I just say that's what happens in prayer? Because who wants to get up at five o'clock in the morning and begin to seek the Lord? But as we say, Holy Spirit creates some desire in me, he begins to stir it up and something begins to happen. We've sung it, stir a passion in our hearts. But then what happens is that's got to connect to our discipline and our will. And where it used to be, oh dear, I'm up at five o'clock in the morning, now it becomes a delight. You just love to do these things. So we have to go to God. We've got to get honest. And then thirdly, we've got to find a friend. I didn't say phone a friend. You might need to do that as well. I said find a friend. Discipleship happens in circles, not rows. It's through one-on-ones. It's in small group. It's in accountability that actually we change. I've said this to a number of people here. You need to know that your pastor has a pastor. Your pastor asks me, I can't be blunt here, Christian, how are you handling your wife? How's your sex life? Are you watching anything on the computer that you shouldn't be watching? How's your staff? Are you being a bully? How's your impatience? I've got a list. There's about nine questions that I've asked my pastor to ask me when I meet him. And of course, I could give him a load of rubbish. Of course I can, but I'm not about to because I want to be real because fake is exhausting. And this is the only way that you're going to get guys who are going to stay the course because, by the way, I really want to finish well. I've got many years, by God's grace, left, but I want to finish well. I don't want things coming out of the closets of the things that I've been doing that you never knew about. And the only way I'm going to stay focused on that, Joanna, is by finding a friend, people who can talk to me, people who can challenge me. If they see something in me, they can say, what about this? I don't like that language that I heard. And I know they love me. I know they're committed to me. Are you making sense of this? So, you know, if we want to become who we really are, both privately and publicly, I honestly think we've got to get honest. We've got to go to God. And we've got to find a friend. So I'm really excited. I can see you guys are. Uh, Mm -hmm. about this series. I hope you are. And you're not going to come and you're not going to get slammed. You're not going to get beat up. We're just going to encourage you. And by the way, if you've got issues, you're looking at one who's got issues as well. Let's go on a journey together to sort out some of our issues. Are you hearing me? And for God to do His work, His perfect work in our lives and for Him to change us and for us to become shining lights that shine bright in this community and beyond for the glory. Of his name. I wonder if we'd bow our heads.